English 10. It's Mrs. Williams. I decided to read the directions and the readings for you, for those of you that find it um, difficult, or for those of you who just find the sound of my voice soothing and miss me very much, as I'm missing you. <clears throat> Mr. Lott left a lot of directions. Um, Monday, you were supposed to read the passage, This Is Not Who We Are. Tuesday, complete the multiple choice questions, one through four. Wednesday, complete question number five, a short response question for the passage. Thursday, complete question number six, a personal journal. And Friday, review the week's assignments and submit. He says here, if you have any questions, I will try to have Zoom up and running for office hours, Monday through Friday of next week, 10 a.m. to noon. But that's technology, so we'll see how that goes. In any event, please do not stress about any of these assignments. Just do the best you can, and everything will be fine. At this time, we're not concerning ourselves with typical number grades. Just work completion and feedback. If unforeseen things are happening in your life that impede the completion of any work, again, don't stress. Just let Mr. Lott know. Notes to help you with this week's work. The passage that you are reading this week is a memoir, This Is Not Who We Are, by Naomi Shahab Nye. Naomi Shahab Nye is a poet, songwriter, and novelist. Nye was born to an American mother and a Palestinian father. Even though Nye is based in Texas, she has traveled the world and refers to herself as a wandering poet. In this personal essay, Nye reflects on her relationship with her Arab-American identity. As you read, focus on how Nye describes her experiences being affected by her Arab-American identity. As you read, the passage should call to mind some connections that we have read previously in the year from Amy Tan's The Joy Luck Club, and how these characters were also faced with identity issues concerning their struggle between Chinese and American cultures. Terms, memoir, an account of a personal event in one's life through a first-person point of view. Okay, guys, this is the, re the recording of This Is Not Who We Are by Naomi Shahib Nye. Naomi Shahib Nye is a poet, songwriter, and novelist. Nye was born to an American mother and a Palestinian father. Even though Nye is based in Texas, she has traveled the world and refers to herself as a wandering poet. In this personal essay, Nye reflects on her relationship with her Arab-American identity. As you read, focus on how Nye describes her experiences being affected by her Arab-American identity in a post-9-11 world. I'm idling in the drive through line at a fast food franchise in Texas, the kind of place I usually avoid because my hungry teenager needs a hamburger when a curling strand of delicate violin rises from national public radio. I know immediately it's Simon Shaheen, the Arab American virtuoso violinist, an elegant man who wears starched white shirts and black suits and plays like an angel. A calm washes over me that I haven't felt in days. The commentator says his name, I raise the volume. Our car fills up with grace. I place my head on the steering wheel, tears clouding my eyes. Mom, are you all right? You are so weird. No, I am simply an Arab American in deep need of cultural uplift to balance the ugliness that has cast a deep shadow over our days. 
Play Ali Jihad Racy, Um Kaltum, Marcel Khalif, Hamza El Din, Matu Blunis, any melodious Middle Eastern music to counteract the terrible sorrow of this time. With so many precious people and lands grieving, and no way that we, simple citizens, can solve it or get our minds around it, what shall we do with our souls? I grew up in St. Louis in a tiny house full of large music. Mahalia Jackson and Marian Anderson singing majestically on the stereo, my German-American mother fingering the lost chord on the piano as golden light sank through trees, my Palestinian father trilling in Arabic in the shower each dawn. He held single notes so long we thought he might faint. The world rang rich counterpoint, mixed melodies, fragrances, textures, crushed mint and garlic in the kitchen, cardamom brewing in coffee, fabulously embroidered Palestinian pillows plumped on the couch, and always a thrumming undercord, a hovering, hopeful note. Things had been bad, but they would get better. Our dad had lost his home, but he would make another one. People suffered everywhere, but life would improve. I refused to let that hope go. Because men with hard faces do violent things, because fanaticism seizes and shrinks minds, it is no reason for the rest of us to abandon our songs. Maybe we need to sing them louder. I hold in my heart so many sorrowing individuals, all families and friends of innocent victims everywhere, all dedicated advocates of peace. Keep speaking out wherever you can, all people related to the Middle East who despise bad behavior, all gentle immigrants, how much harder their lives may be now, all citizens who trust the great potential of humanity, all children who want to be happy, all mothers and sisters of violent men. I wish for world symbols more than SUVs wearing American flags like hula skirts. Aren't images that embrace all humanity, all nations and variations, the only thing that will save us now? My friend Millie makes me an exquisite peace bracelet with a miniature globe on it, alongside an ivory dove and beads from many countries. I wear it every day. A friend I don't know sends an email. It is our duty to be hopeful. Her words flicker inside me, a small torch penetrating gloom. The words of children console us, not the other way around. During a local poetry workshop with fourth graders, a girl hands me a folded note. Poetry is eating all my problems. My great niece stomps her foot. Adults are forgetting how to have fun. I keep thinking we teach children to use language to solve their disputes. We teach them not to hit and fight and bite. Then look what adults do. I read about the Seeds of Peace teenagers, Arabs and Israelis who come together in Maine and Jerusalem for deepened dialogue and greater understanding. Their gatherings are not easy. They cry and fear and worry, but they emerge from their sessions changed. Every weapon on earth betrays their efforts, but we need them desperately to balance the cruel tides. Condolence cards fan out on my table. Kind women I haven't seen in years writing, we care. Everyone advises me to stay balanced, practice yoga again, eat well, laugh out loud. They understand that an Arab American might be feeling sicker than most people these difficult days. I grip these lovely messages as if they were prescriptions from the best doctor. My wonderful Japanese American friend, Margaret in Hawaii, is particularly vigilant, writing, how are you? 
You are strongly in our thoughts every single week. I treasure the welcoming world of women, laughing, tending, nourishing, mending, wrapping language around one another like a warm cloak. I try to think of supportive women in my community whom I could surprise, friends who might be able to use a bunch of red ranunculuses, a plate of hot gingerbread when it is not even their birthday. And I keep thinking of my Palestinian grandmother who lived to be 106 years old and didn't read or write, though she always said she could read the sky and the tea leaves in the bottom of everyone's cups. She claimed she didn't want to die until everyone she didn't like died first. We think she succeeded. The truth was, she was very popular. She liked everybody, and they all loved her. The Israeli anthropologist who did an oral history project in her village found me years later to say, her warmth changed my life. I consider her my grandmother, too. Even though she had lost her home to Israel in 1948, she said, I never lost my peace inside. The only place she ever traveled beyond Palestine was to Mecca by bus. She was proud to be called a haji, to wear layered white clothes afterward. In her West Bank village, she worked hard to get stains out of everyone's dresses, scrubbing them with a stone over a big tin tub in the courtyard under her beloved lemon tree. If we told her you are very patient, she would joke, what choice do I have? I think she would consider the recent tragedies a terrible stain on her religion. She would weep. She never fussed at my father for not praying five times a day in the traditional way. As she excused herself from our circle for her own prayers, he might say something like, I'm praying all the time, every minute, and she would grin. She wanted people to worship in whatever ways they felt comfortable to respect one another, enjoy one another's company, tell good stories, sit around the fire drinking tea and cracking almonds, and never forget to laugh no matter what terrible things they had been through. Laughter was the power. What wisdom did she possess that other people can't figure out? I thought I was done writing about her. For years, she starred in my essays and poems, but after September 11, she started poking herself into my dreams again, kindly, sorrowfully, say this is not who we are. Apparently, the entire United States has taken to reading more poetry, which can only be a good sign. Journalists ask, why do you suppose people are finding strength in poetry now? Those of us who have been reading poetry all our lives aren't a bit surprised. As a direct line to human feeling, empathetic experience, genuine language and detail. Poetry is everything that headline news is not. It takes us inside situations, helps us imagine life from more than one perspective, honors imagery and metaphor, those great tools of thought, and deepens our confidence in a meaningful world. I feast on the poetry of Arab women, a contemporary collection published in 2003. Dima K. Shahabi wrote, and where is that mountain that will fold us inward slowly? Enemy of melancholy, ally of life, glistening darkly in silence. Nazik al-Malakia wrote, How do we forget pain? How do we forget pain? Who will light for us the night of its memory? From Fauda Tukan, the brave Palestinian who has lived all these difficult years in Nablus on the West Bank, Give us love so we may build the collapsed universe within us.
anew. Then I read Coleman Barks's vibrant translations of Rumi, the 13th century Sufi poet who has for the past few years been one of the best-selling poets in the United States. It's rumored he's also the poet most often read aloud on the radio in Afghanistan. Open the soul of Rumi anywhere and find something helpful. On page 158, why am I part of this disaster, this mud hole for donkeys? Later in the same poem, I ask a flower, how is it you are so wise, so young? Yes, I breathe deeply, closing my eyes. And how are we educated human beings so old and so stupid? Now that I have tears in my eyes, even while making baba ganoor, our famous eggplant dip, so what? This is my cultural sorrow, not the first ever in the world. Admit it and move on. There is still so much good work to do. When a gentleman I don't know approaches me in a crowd at a literary conference to say, I am afraid for my daughter to admit she is half Arab now, what should we do? I am momentarily tongue-tied. Later, I wish I had told him, tell her never deny it. Maybe Arab Americans must say we are twice as sad as other people, but we are still proud of everything peaceful and beautiful that endures. Then speak beauty if we can, the beauty of culture, poetry, tradition, memory, family, daily life. Each day, live in honor of the ones who didn't have this luxury or time. We are not alone. That's the reading. Here are the text-dependent questions and the directions. For the following questions, choose the best answer or respond in complete sentences. Type or write the letter of answer after question number. One, which statement describes the central idea of the text? A, many Arab Americans feel that acknowledging their cultural identity in public is a danger to their safety. B, the most powerful tools people have against violence and hate are peaceful words and artistic expression. C, it is important for Arab Americans to embrace cultural beauty and remain hopeful, especially during sad or difficult times. Or D, Arab American writers and musicians have great power as they can help other people better understand their culture. Two, which detail from the text best supports the answer to part A? A, I know immediately it's Simon Shaheen, the Arab-American virtuoso violinist, an elegant man who wears starched white shirts and black suits and plays like an angel, from paragraph one. B, condolence cards, fan out on my table, kind women I haven't seen in years, writing, we care. Everyone advises me to stay balanced, practice yoga again, eat well, laugh out loud, paragraph 17. C, As a direct line to human feeling, empathetic experience, genuine language and detail, poetry is everything that headline news is not. That's from paragraph 25. Or D, now that I have tears in my eyes, even while making Baba Ganul our famous eggplant dip, so what? There is still much good work to do from paragraph 31. Number three. Which of the following describes how the author views the state of the world? A, the author is saddened by the violence and hate in the world, but she continues to believe in those who make peace and beauty. B, the author is angered that Arab Americans are being blamed for many of the world's current problems. 
C. The author is saddened by the current violent state of the world and doesn't feel confident that anything will change. Or D. The author is detached from the current chaotic state of the world as she doesn't feel any connection to what's taking place. Question four. Which statement describes the author's main purpose in the text? A. To highlight how she has been treated negatively for her cultural identity. B. To emphasize her difficulty choosing between her Arab and American identities. C. To share her experiences as an Arab American in the current social climate. Or D. To show how being in America has made her feel stranded from her culture. 5. Short response. Please respond to the following prompt in a short paragraph using details from the text. Here's the prompt. How do you think the author's cultural identity influences her experiences in America? Why do you think paying tribute to her Palestinian roots seems to bring her both sadness and joy? Number six, journal, personal response. Please respond to the following journal prompt. Prompt, please describe how you've been doing since school was closed. What have you been doing to keep busy? What are you binge watching? What's been your favorite part about being home? What's your least favorite part about being home? Anything you miss about school? Do you have concerns or things that are worrying you? Anything else on your mind regarding our current situation? You don't have to answer all of those questions. Those are just ideas you can use to write and get to a minimum of a paragraph if you need help with any of these ideas. All right, kids, that's it for week two for Mr. Lott. My Zoom information is up on the classroom stream. Good luck. And I miss you guys.